This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, welcome in. New, very special edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. Celtics have had a tough time of late, and guess what? We, we found the perfect person to bring in <laughs> for the equation to, to break things down here, who we have not talked to since the beginning of the season. Rich Levine will be joining the show and he'll be joining the wing place podcast now here, Rich, which is now brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network. You can go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to claim your $200 bonus. Rich, it's great to see you. Can you Is this bring... the first FanDuel? Is this the, this first, the first FanDuel, FanDuel. sponsored episode? The maiden voyage. Yes. So you're what an honor, right? And out of the gate with uh, putting your bets in on the Celtics losing. We're not going to talk too much about the Rockets game. I'm, I'm bringing... It, Rich is the perfect person to talk to you here right now because he's bringing us the West Coast perspective, the the national remove yourself from local talk radio, from society, remove yourself from society. From, yeah. society. <laughs> Come on. But no, this is the Rich. First of all, it's great to have you back on. How the heck are you? And how are you feeling right now as we enter the uh, the dog days of March? I feel good. I do. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk about the Celtics a little bit. Um the dog days, right? You once you realize that as the dog days that this happens every year. I mean, granted, I think March last year was a little bit better. Here's my question: Are you going? Are we collectively going to remember the Houston Rockets loss from last night? For as for as upset as everybody is right now, are you ever going to think about this game again for the rest of your life? Let, let, let's say because the rest of this week we got Minnesota, there's Portland, there's Utah, there's Sacramento. No one's going to give a shit about this game. In a week, never mind a month. Let's just start with that. As long as they don't lose in the second round of the playoffs, I say yes. If the, so you if think they if, lose... they, if, if they lose to, to Philly in Game Seven, you're going to say fuck that. That yeah, that March, I think you're not uh, going to. That's the only. I agree with you. That's like the only situation. Where it's like oh, you you Celtics lost out in the two seed by a game, and mm. man, if they just if they just took care of the Rockets. But the, but there's this is not that game. Like there's like three or four of these type of games over the course of the season where you're like, that's one they really like shouldn't have punted away here. But to do that against the Rockets, who who I mean they they played well. I mean you watched them last night and you can see why they have a little bit of a future. I mean they were playing without Sagoon too as one of their best players. I don't even know if I said his name right, but Alp, <laughs> um, Damon Stoudemire. I can't believe they did him like that. Guy gets a new job. He's like, no, I'm not leaving yet. I want to spend one more night. With this team that I've put everything into for the last couple of years, and they're gonna send him out like that. That well, was Jalen tried. Jalen at least tried. That that's Jaylen's been give... consistently. And that mask has given him. I don't know if it's like a little extra confidence that makes him feel like a little bit more like a warrior. But he's been playing like it. He's not the problem. That's no. for sure. But you like? I think up, let's start with Damon here. Like this, the whole situation. Because I think it is an intriguing wrinkle here. One for what you just mentioned. I think it is like. <laughs> Kind of not, but it's it's sad that he would he would put off the flight to Atlanta for one night, and then maybe guys, Tatum was just a little a little depressed about losing. Did they one go out the night before? And... To exactly, they they like you know maybe took him out one last night and spent a Houston's time a place to do, he, Houston's a place to do it right. Talk to James Harden about that. <laughs> He'll be back there next year, um, yeah. but it is a situation though where now you look at Stoudemire. Is gone. I feel like there have been some situations where an assistant will stay to finish out the season. This is not one of those occasions. He needs to get to recruiting and stuff, it sounds like. So he'll be 
you know, picking things up and running, which is a credit to him. It's, I mean, this, that's a good opportunity for him to go. Especially to when like, like you might've assumed like without knowing much more about the situation that he might've been the guy that got sure. the interim head coaching job. Right? right. Like you can understand him being like, okay, maybe my future is not uh, going to be in Boston and I'm going to go build my own college program, which is pretty cool. Exactly. And I think so, everyone, I don't, I can't imagine anyone, you can say anything you want about you, Matt. <clears throat> I don't think anyone could say anything negative about Damon Stoudemire and his, his years on the bench. He was a pretty cool guy as a player. The guy was really hard to dislike player coach the same way. So good luck coach. Dave. Yeah. It's um, it's funny. He, he filled in for two games back in December for Missoula after the, uh, the eye scratch cornea incident um, in the pickup game. And he was great. And as far as being like, uh, you know, you don't, you talk to these guys and, you know, as assistants, but they don't, they're not in front of the microphone much, but he was, he was just great in terms of talking about the team and his perspective and just, and having the opportunity, obviously in those couple games, one of which actually came against the Rockets. Um, So for him to get that now at a, you know, a, a pretty high profile school in the ACC will be great. And from the sounds of it, the Celtics have no plans to, you know, replace his job at this point of the year, which makes sense given, you know, how close you sure. are to the finish line. Um, is that from, do you see that having kind of any impact on things going for it? just a tough break. Does someone else, I, you wonder who gets pushed up to the front of the bench there, who gets, you know, Joe Mazzula's ear in his spot. Cause clearly he was, you know, his number one or number two, as far as assistance goes, it's kind of a an interesting wrinkle here entering a crucial stretch. Yeah. And you just never know, like, again, like I feel like you, you would know better than me being a little bit closer, but like I could see Damon Stoudemire as someone who did it at the highest level for so long could being like a guy that some of these dudes can lean on and talk to maybe if they're not connecting with Joe or for whatever reason, like you spend enough time in a, in a team atmosphere like that. And I'm sure Damon was the guy for at least one or two of those players. So, I mean, you, you imagine you'd got to feel that. Um, but again, this is these, they're grown men. I'll, I'll give Jason Tatum the grown man classification at 25 years old. They've been through this. They've been as close as you, pretty much as close as you can get to winning an NBA title. An NBA title. Uh, they were there. They lived it. They experienced that. And I think that that's more important than, than anything. Um, I don't see whether they they feel the impact of Damon leaving. I don't imagine that would be the reason they don't repeat. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Like it's it's an extra. It's it stinks to lose that value on the staff. Like you said, that the NBA, I think he was the only one on the staff with NBA experience. Um, Shit. Well, that seems, so, that seems significant. Right. Um, but at the same time, like these guys have been there now and they've been there together a bunch outside of, you know, a couple of new faces in the equation, but the, the core is Brenner on the block. And so that's <laughs> certainly not going to make or break what happens here in the next, you know, two plus months. So in order to make up for some of these things, like again, maybe it's not the, 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 a giant hit, but a bunch of little hits that are building up right now at this point in the season. So I think first and foremost, Marcus Smart needs to stop playing like an ass. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not saying that he is. We love Marcus Smart. But right now, he is he is a big, I would say, potentially the biggest issue. It's certainly last night. Um, there I mean, some... since he's been back, I think last yeah, night right, was right. He's just had him in, Do you do you think that's an in, do you think he's just like still not right after the ankle situation or do you think he just is in a funk and this is just he's got to figure out how to get out of it? You can say funk, but I just it just doesn't seem like he's he's it just seems personal to him. He seems in his own head playing I and mean, he's always playing games, but it just 
it seems more about Marcus to me right now than it does uh, the team, potentially. You know, I think stupid fouls, like, I think I think his assist to turnover is like four to three almost. Um, and plus minus obviously is a great stat when it helps your argument. But like, I think nine out of 11 games, he's been a, a net minus since he's been back. The focus doesn't seem there. They're always bad shots. But like, when it's bad shots on top of like, stat lines of two assists and five fouls and like however many minutes it's just like it's not what this team needs right now especially and i know uh, many people are making this argument but you got two very capable point guards who are both playing you know you don't even think about what they could be they are both currently playing at the top tier of their game when you get one of those guys on the bench when it matters most like and and i don't i don't know because i think eventually you need marcus smart and crunch time if you're gonna win a title like you need that best guy that you want out there. Sure. So I understand sticking with him to a certain extent, but like it's on him to fix it right now. Really, it's a really good point because, and I think you, you look at Joe Mazzulla as much as Marcus Smart at that point in terms of what you, Joe, like Marcus is, is a Joe guy and he has stuck. Like, I don't think he's been benched once in, in a meaningful crunch time all year long, period. And so now, with the season that Derek White is having, to your point now, and Malcolm Brogdon, to a, from an offensive standpoint, obviously Brogdon has his defensive limitations, but is clearly a guy you want out there for the upside in those late game spots. If Marcus is playing like this, I'm a few hundred percent like White has that you can't be benching White in these games. You have to you have to show some more flexibility on that front because right now it is not directly costing you games, but it's coming close to it when I think the Houston game is a perfect example there when he's driving the lane with nowhere to go if on a crucial possession with two minutes left, like, or taking a, a three that you could have made an extra pass to someone else. Like those just aren't with like 23 seconds left on the, yeah, fo- on the shot right. or, or 13, whatever, if it was, on yeah, whatever that, I know what that game was like through last week, hundred percent. And so there was one against is, the Rockets too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like it's, it's happening every game now and you know, Tatum is getting a lot of heat now too. And I think some of that is deserved. Some of it's not, but, I think smart is kind of flying under the radar. Like you said, and you nailed it. The, his assist to turnover ratio is 36 assists, 27 turnovers since the all-star break shooting 36% from the field and 35% from three, which means any two point shot from right now is not coming close to going in. Like it's probably gotta be one of the worst two point percentages on the team, much less the NBA amongst regular rotation players at this point. And I think a bulk of those twos are like, like fadeaway jump shots, like, like off balance and yeah. in, in the paint, like shit that he's that looks like, you know, nineteen ninety seven Michael Jordan shit, or like, or you know what I mean? It's just like, and once in a while it goes in, like he has those games, but like if that's consistently Marcus Smart, like, and you're, you know, I know you've you've been all over this for years, and and, I, and I'm saying that like this is not giving up on Marcus Smart, like this is just saying, saying are you are you tricking me right now? Objectively, like <laughs> uh, he objectively needs to pay play better he just needs to play differently there is a a switch that seems to be just pointing in the wrong direction right now where it's just and it's coming up in the worst possible times and again jason tatum plays a little bit better we're not we don't care as much grant williams just follow shots so two things people talk about what's missing right now what are the issues uh the williams this is another thing you think what's it going to take for the celtics to be as good as everyone thinks they can be um, and if you don't have the Williams being the Williams, and that doesn't mean even $20 million a year grant, that means like seventh man grant, you know, that means 
80% of the games you have Time Lord out there. And I know that's just not a reality right now. But like without those two, like that shit in Houston, like those offensive rebounds, that doesn't happen with Time Lord out there. Doesn't may not even happen if Grant's out there boxing out and just being Grant. But, you know, Robert's hurt and Grant is just out of the rotation. And how much worse could it be if you just throw him back out there well, at, at at the rate he was playing earlier in the year? And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Because with Grant, and we talked about this in recently too, I feel like that's a guy, as you just brought up, like if you want to get to where you want to go in the playoffs, like Grant's going to be a, a big part of the equation for his defense on some of the key names that you could be facing in, in round two and round three and beyond. And so I have, I'm just not a big fan of the fact of yanking him around like this when you're, you know, you're going to have to go back to him because Luke Cornett is not going to, you, you, you're not going to be playing Luke Cornett and Blake Griffin against the Sixers in round two, or, and if you are, you're going to be losing. Yeah. Um, or, if or, they're playing or, or Hauser or, or Muscala. Like, yeah. I, I just think if these are guys that you're really leaning on and it, and you're just like, all right, oop. I, I put open my NBA app and now it's playing through my, I was scale yelling about something. <laughs> um, yeah, if 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 you're rolling with with Hauser and Muscala, and I think that like each one of those guys could potentially win you a playoff game over the course of a long, hopeful road to to the finals or whatever it is. But if every single night you're rolling those guys out and, and hoping to win, like you said, like against Milwaukee or or Philly, it's not going to happen. And so, do you feel you like Grant, you need Robert? Right. You might. You probably need Blake more than other those guys, just because I think he can yeah. mix it up a little bit more and be some, you know, some sort of muscle underneath. And, but, and I'm just not crazy too about like it's like okay the the, the the we've the defensive rebounding has disappeared late in games. They're getting crushed in the glass, and it's like oh why why is that happening? It's like well I I have a decent guess. <laughs> You're playing. I'm going to live here, Rich. Is it a like Al Horford is going to turn 37 and is playing more minutes than he has in like six years. And so probably and playing better, by the way, than playing, could, yeah, playing refer- great. Imagine him too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's like, thank God. I mean, like he's been a, like, he's Steph Curry from the three point line right now, but yeah. yeah, he's not, he's not in there trying to throw elbows and get 15 rebounds a game anymore. He hasn't been that guy for, for a long time. Um, yes. And you throw that with Tatum and Brown also playing a ton, probably don't have a lot left in the tank at the end of these games to, box out athletic wings or forwards that are continuously that's, crashing. That's not what we're counting on them to do. And right. you'd like, you like to see it. You like to, and, and, and there are games where they both, especially Tatum, you can see he starts to really dominate the boards, like in crunch time and where he wants the ball, it gets, it takes it and then brings it up himself. But like, no, you catch your breath for a second and let so, some other guys crash the boards. But like you said, who's that now? Who, if Grant's on the bench, if Rob's on the bench, right. uh, if Marcus Luke is, Cornette is not trouble, a good rebounder. Like he's good offensive rebounder, no. but he's not he's not gonna get a lot of bulk in there. And then I, I, is I mean, he had a nice run for a couple of games, but he seems like he's fallen. I mean, he's been out of the rotation now too for the last two games. So it's like it's Blake and that's it, I guess. And I don't know. I have to admit something about Cornette too. Yeah. The eclipse officially officially bums me out a little bit. <laughs> so I loved it. Like I I really loved it when he brought it out at the beginning of the year. But yeah. now when he does it, and every time someone hits it, like there was one again in Houston last night. Who is that? Who is that? The, the power forward? Oh, yeah. Houston? Garuba. Like, um, one, or... one of the threes he hit. And I watch a lot of NBA. I play a lot of like fan duel. Like I'm pretty, I, 
I do daily fan like the yearly fantasy, daily fantasy. And when a guy that I've never heard of is is hitting three pointers in crunch time against the Celtics, that hurts on itself. <laughs> but when it comes like with the eclipse in his face, it's like as the backdrop. It's insult to injury. So I'm gonna I'm gonna request that until we start winning a few more games, until the Celtics start winning a few more games, uh, that we put the eclipse on the shelf. Yeah, not Luke, not, not Luke Cornett himself necessarily, no. but that aspect is, of him. And that's not knocking all these guys. Like they they've gotten plenty out of Luke and Blake and these guys throughout the year. But you're, I don't think those contributions should be ramping up at this point of the year. And at the when Grant is not necessarily playing any, I understand maybe sending him for a game to like get him back on the right track and you know not even send a message, but just you know he was in a slump too on top of it. But now it's like okay, are you better off with like Grant Williams or Luke in crunch time? Which they played a lot of Luke in the fourth quarter Monday night and and they did it last week too in Cleveland. I think it's like, it's time to, the alternatives aren't better than the the continuity you potentially have of Grant here, I feel like. Especially, like you said earlier, when you think about the big picture. You're not going to like the, you take the best case scenario on Luke Cornett, you take the best case scenario on Grant Williams. Like you need the, Grant Williams' best case scenario to compete in the East. So let's throw him out there and see if that's the best. I just don't think playing him eight minutes a night and just like randomly benching him for games, that doesn't seem like a path to getting the best out of Grant, especially coming off that those two missed foul shots too. It sucked that he missed them. Um, clearly the first one was not even close. He almost airballed it. But like... I, I, I don't know. And I know Joe said to the media, he's like, I love Grant. And that seemed to be a nice, to take a nice stand for him. Um, but I don't know. I just think kind of burying him after that just doesn't seem like a recipe for success. I would, I, what do I know? Like you said, I, I've removed myself from society out in the, out in the yeah. West coast. I, I, I watch, <laughs> I watch, I, I watch the games on TV with kids yelling in my ear the whole time. Like I, I only am getting a certain amount of, uh, info on what's really going on that's just how it feels that's can be very valuable perspective because mm-hmm. i think what you see in when with that kind of background noise will stand out more than the people that are screaming in our ears in section 19 at the td garden so that's oh, that's, that's important to keep in mind where so are you on joe as a whole though where are you on joe as a whole though like for the for the year like are you he got we he obviously got the job we haven't talked since then permanently at the all-star break clearly earned it with the way this team started and what he had to deal with um, from a, you know, off the court stuff logistically with getting the players to fully buy in with Ime out the door unofficially and now officially, but do you are his, are the bumps in a road for him here, whether it's late game stuff or the things we've been talking about just simply that, or is, is that any stuff that as you turn the page to April and May that you're like, Ooh, like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, forget. Uh, I was talking to someone that works for for one of the NBA teams over the over the summer. I remember, and they, they had I, th- I forget if it was either seventy thirty or eighty twenty, but they said like that's the percentage of the impact that a coach has in the NBA on, on winning versus players, mm-hmm. players being the eighty percent. So I think we talk about what what Joe was able to to accomplish early in the season. I don't. I mean, I don't even know if we can call it Joe's accomplishment. I think Tatum and Brown, Marcus. I think those guys came off came out pissed off from the way the season ended. 
They had that fire. They took everything personally and they made it. So, you know, <laughs> Joe Missoula wasn't really that much of a factor. Like no one was talking about him sitting out of timeouts when, when they had the best record in the league for the first half. And I, and I guess, right. Adversity is when maybe the coach is going to come in and keep them together. It's a long game. It's, but like, it's a long season. In my mind, I think I really believe that when push comes to shove on this season, when you get back into the playoffs, and, and it does, it doesn't make me feel great that Marcus was referencing last year and sort of his excuse for the recent play. We did it last year, so hopefully we can do it do it again. I don't think you can count on that. You can't. Uh, that's dangerous. That's playing with fire. Um, but I really think that when it gets time to when it gets the winning time that these guys are going to snap out of it. We call this the dog days. It's understandable. It's been a long season that there might be some, some, some bumps in the road. Um, so no, I don't, I don't worry that much about Joe Missoula. He'll be, a, he'll be a great scapegoat if it doesn't work out. You know, and I think people will run with that. There are always going to be things that go either way. Do you call a timeout? Do you not call a timeout? Do you, do you, do you get a set rotation in early March, mid March, late March? How much is that going to make a difference uh, in game seven in Milwaukee? Right. But it makes a difference, I guess, because if you get a few more wins now, maybe Game Sevens in Boston. Um, right. But yeah, to answer your question, I'm not. I I can't get that stressed out about Joe Joe Mazzulla right now because I think that they have the weapons to make him a less of a factor. It's more on the Jays and Marcus. They got more experience than him. You know. Really and that's I think you bring it down. Like this is what's going on right now. Is it? It comes down to the guys we've been talking about. Like it starts with. The head of the snake and Tatum, and then Smart, and and figuring out if we can get if they're going to get Rob back healthy or not. What is his role going to come back? And I guess we'll touch on him too right now. Like when he comes back, the starting five. You say, you say when you say when. when. So this I, is. I mean, is that <laughs> am I going too far? Are we are we being like what's? I hope not. I, I got I made me optimistic when you said when, but like so what like what do you like what's the latest that they've said about him? And so he's on the trip. He was out. The initial timetable was seven to ten days, and then he told, I believe, out M Hill's Bachman Globe that he plans to return on this road trip, which means he'll return at some point in the next week. Given the fact he has not, I mean, he has not looked like he really has at all last year yet. Um, he's had flashes, but generally has been, you know, inconsistent. The starting five from last year have been straight up bad together when they've played together and since the all-star break before he got hurt again. And so I guess my question to you now is like, when he, when he comes back in the regular season, a, how do you handle him minutes? Why, how much are you babying him just to like get him, you know, to the playoffs in one piece. And two, are you starting him or are you just bring him off the bench? Because that might be the better way for you to try to win games regardless when, uh, when push comes to shove. So it would be better to start him. You're saying, or are they like, is it better to is starting him and out together make sense? Is that still the best lineup no matter what against any team they play? Or should they considering bring him off the bench or, you know, they're obviously not going to bring Alfred, but bring him off the bench and play him 20 minutes, you know, as so you don't have to play Cornette or Blake or, or even Grant, sure. I guess if you're not going to want him. Yeah. And it was tough. Like he's a guy that I liked. I like the idea of him playing the most minutes with, with the Jays and right. maximizing them. Um, I, I, you know, I guess I'm not even as much worried about the the starting and and and, and coming off the bench. But like you said, just he's got to be there for the playoffs. Like I was talking with someone the other day. I think the way breaking it down, we need 
like two Grant games a postseason, a, a series, two games every series. You need Grant to show up. Two or three, you need Al. Two, you need Rob. Maybe four, you need Marcus. But you, you you're gonna need each one of those guys to have a game to be the best version of themselves to, to, to whether it's win a game sometimes on their own, but like to be the difference maker. So if, if Rob's not there and we talked about that earlier uh, in this pod, just about the other, the, the remaining options right now, assuming that Al, that Al Horford is awesome as he has been, he's, he's not Al Horford the way he was in Atlanta. And that's fine. Like he's, that's like more than a decade ago. Not that guy. Can't count on him to be that guy. Uh, Grant, even at his best, is a little undersized. Uh, maybe even a lot undersized. Uh, if Rob's not there, like that, that's this is bad news for the for for making it through. This the, we're talking about Milwaukee, Philly, like these tough, strong. I mean, the Knicks, fuck, like any any one of these teams, like sure. like you need you you need a little Rob, need a little Rob. So do I just do what it takes to get him to be able to contribute in some capacity. That's my one yeah. plea. That's. So, well, if he comes back with 10 games left, like play him in five, like play him in, like it's almost like, or just play him 10, 15 minutes, just like, yeah, I'm with sure. you. That, that, that just, they obviously didn't have him healthy at all for the playoffs last year. He came back, but he was not, you know, he was dealing clearly on one leg. I take that though. Seasons. But you take I think that, that version. You, of... Sure. You, you just don't take that. Um, Ideally, you can get him even better than that because then even the year before that, when he went, what was that? Like 10 blocks against the Nets in that one game. And then yeah. had to sit out the rest of that series because he was playing on like four toes. So if you can just get, because it's it's a push in the pull there too, because you, you, you want to try to build up his stamina. You want to like, you know, make it so he's not calling him for a sub five minutes into the first game of the playoffs if he hasn't played for weeks. But it's right. the, the the balance there for the training staff has got to be tough in terms of keeping him ready to go, but also making sure that he's in a position to give you something. So I see we got like five minutes left in our Zoom here. Um, so Celtics have like in their next like 10 games or so, I think they'll probably be favored in at least eight of them. Yeah, I think it's a good guess. I think Sac- only road, road Milwaukee. Yeah, like Sacramento, they'll probably be underdogs. And road Milwaukee, road Milwaukee, road Philly. So those are probably the yeah. three games that they're not. And so I mean, if they do what they if they do what they can, that's at least eight and three. You take seven and four. I think that I think that happens. I mean, you got to win one of those games if they if, if they win every other game and they lose to Sacramento and they lose to Milwaukee and they lose to Philly. It's like the opposite of what we've kind of been accustomed to with this team where they lose to the shitty teams, but then when they got to, the games that they have to win, they step up. Um, I think it would be cool to see that happen again, go and even if you lose a couple of these other ones, even if you drop to Utah, if you lose to Minnesota, if Dame goes for, goes for 70 and you, and you lose the game in Portland, like you win those games where you're, where, you know, the spotlight's on, you, you know, against these teams that are going to be there at the end and you can go on the road and get a couple of wins there. I think that solves a lot of this. Those, those are the things that happen that make this, the Houston game, a very uh, quick memory, just distant memory. Um, but if not, I mean, we'll be there'll be plenty that plenty to yell about, plenty to be upset about. Not me though. No, this is no. <laughs> it is. It's the. It's funny though because you know they're they're only a game up right now on Philly, 
for that two seed. And now they're two and a half back of Milwaukee with one game to play there. So they, if they start reeling off wins on this road trip, they can still be knocking on that door on the Bucks. But in my mind, honestly, that the number one seed's almost gone at this point with the way they're playing. They're, they're, this has been a mediocre team for a few weeks now. And it's far more important for them to, you know, just snap out of that as opposed to, you know, run everyone on the ground trying to get the one seed. And when you're probably have a bigger chance of falling down to three, um, if you go down that path. I had a great future bet on Missoula to win coach of the year too. Ugh. And it was, I, got, I was counting it as, as you might imagine, but it seems like Mike Brown's probably going to yeah, run away Mike with Mike Brown that. might have that one locked up. But if you do so want to li- make, if you want to make any more bets though, Rich, you know where you can go. Ooh, I, I can't because I, it's not legal. That's true. It's very, not legal. Li- very liberal state, California. But, but you can fly back to, here. Uh, That's true. When I'm visiting fly my parents, I can get all my history in. Where can I do that if I want to? Fando.com slash Boston. Claim that $200 bonus in free bits. When are you going to come? We want to see you back. I think you might be called upon to come back to Boston in the in the postseason here to turn things around, Rich. We're getting to a point there where that might become a necessity. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a game at, at the Garden. Uh, I couldn't even tell you. I think 2019, pre-COVID. Wow. Since I've been to, to TD. I've seen the Celtics uh, at Staples a few times, and I saw them in Denver, a couple, but I have not been to a home game. So maybe that's what it'll take. Game seven, if they, if they get the number one seed, game seven against Milwaukee and Boston, I'll be there. All right. You heard it here we'll first. Do it live. Live we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll get Michael for that one too. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's great to see you. Great to have you back. Hopefully we'll be talking to you more here as the playoffs get going for the West Coast perspective. Uh, make sure you're obviously <laughs> following Rich as well on Twitter. How could Rich you not follow me on Twitter? Twitter. I mean, I mean missing... he tweets up a storm. Like I mean, it's it's t- it's tough to keep up with with the amount you're tweeting on there, Rich. So I will understand if if you mute if you mute me after a couple of days of just nonstop <laughs> nuggets. Oh man! But no, well, it's good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you, buddy. Rate, review, subscribe, everyone, and we will talk to you again next week.